0: If you have trouble finding me in the booklet, look under F for Taylor. (laughs) I've been twinned with Professor Friedman. In the the world of quarks, we call it confinement. However, even added together, uh, we only make up two-thirds of last year's Nobel Prize in physics. Henry Kendall of MIT is the other third. The proton itself now seems to be made of three quarks and some glue Two of one kind of quark and a third one with slightly different properties. So there's a certain symmetry in having two professors from MIT and one from Stanford go to Stockholm for demonstrating that the quarks are really inside there, although they don't ever come out as individual quarks, and so they're never seen in the raw, so to speak. We three, along with our colleagues, made that demonstration in some experiments uh, on electron-proton scattering at the two-mile-long linear accelerator at Stanford in the late 1960s and early 70s. High-energy experiments were just becoming a team sport in those days, and we were members of a group of perhaps 15 physicists, supported by many times that number of engineers and technicians, who set up and operated the accelerator and the experiment for us. Now, high-energy physicists who actually come from a tradition of independence and competitiveness that would make a New York businessman blush, had to learn to cooperate in such groups in order to do this kind of physics. And it was not always easy, but our collaboration fortunately was based on old friendships that withstood the strain and even lasted beyond the collaboration. So we were quite successful in that regard. I mention this because I think such cooperation is becoming much more common in many activities, many fields, and the act of balancing creative individualism with the functioning of a group uh, is very much a part of leadership now, and you should start thinking about that at an early time. I've had a joyous life as an experimental physicist. I think you could tell that Jerry has too. And I'm confused about what to say today that might be interesting for the students after two days of these talks. It's hard to find advice that hasn't been chewed over pretty thoroughly already. I'm particularly concerned because a couple of weeks ago I failed miserably in talking to a group of students. I was visiting my hometown, it's a little town on the prairies, Canadian prairies, called Medicine Hat, in the short grass country that Professor Stegner described so graphically yesterday. During my visit, I was invited to address the students in the primary school where I started my formal education back in the middle of the Depression. Uh, So I told the students, actually more than I've told you about the quarks and electrons and things like that. And then, in the question period, it became evident that the first graders couldn't care less about <laughs> quarks or the Nobel Prize, but, but they were fascinated by someone who had lost three fingers from his left hand. For the curious here, I, uh, I got enthusiastic about explosives in the 10th grade. And I believed the people who told me that one should always be willing to take risks to learn more. (laughs) I was too young to know that only those who successfully handle the risks are asked to give advice. (laughs) I'm, I'm told that there's an ancient Chinese curse which reads, may you live in interesting times. And you are almost certainly to be victims of that that curse because of the fearsome rate of change that's characteristic of our society. Many of the speakers have mentioned this, and I'd like to suggest that you think about that and just how that will affect your lives and what it may mean in terms of your career. To me, it suggests the great value of quite general skills. I, I suggest that you develop the habit of rational analysis. Mathematical in the cases where that applies, but there are still lots of problems which don't succumb to mathematical analysis, but which can be thought about without sloganeering and without superstition. Beyond that, you have to have an eye for beauty, the beauty of nature, and the beauty of some of the things that have been made by man. Given that the understanding that comes from the analysis, and the appreciation that comes from the eye for beauty, adaptation to change should be less difficult, and you can try to preserve some of the beauty, even as mankind does its best to outgrow our little planet. I suppose you could read this as a suggestion to slow down and absorb some of the learning at the universities that you're going to go to in the fall, before you close off too many career options. And I think for most of you, that is, in fact, a wise course of action. Some of you may be ready to set your sights right now, and that may be okay. But for most of you, it's still pretty early times, and you should relax and learn. There may be some of you that are intimidated by the inner certainty that some of the speakers have displayed yesterday and today. Uh, It's been intimidating for me to see people with that much drive. I, I have never had uh, that. Just wanting to know has been more than enough for me. And uh, I, think, uh, I think you should not worry if you don't find yourself uh, ready to make a commitment on a career for the rest of your life uh, at the present time, in, at the present stage in your, in your life. The most important thing in anybody's life... Is of course to arrange to be lucky. (laughs) And I don't know of any good courses dealing with that particular subject directly, even at Harvard. (laughs) On the other hand, most of you have been very lucky already, and if you can just keep it up, you won't need any of the advice at all. Thank you very much.